How's everybody doing today? Good. Y'all seem a little sleepy. Are you, are you awake? Okay, good. So many of you were out ice fishing yesterday at our winter picnic. Maybe you're just still warming up. Maybe that's it. We're still uh, exerting some energy. We had a great time out on Lake Mary, and we had a ton of people come out. Do you know how many came? Yes, about 90 people came out. We were out on the lake ice fishing and just a great time. So thanks to, to Kevin and his team for helping us get that going. Um, as Stephen said, February, we have been focusing on prayer here at Homestead. We've been um, praying daily as a church for different things. Uh, we have been setting aside some extended time on Wednesday nights for prayer. We had a, prayer of, a day of prayer and fasting this last week on the 17th. And we're just doing a number of things to just kind of focus our church in on the importance of prayer. And so today, I want to just share a little bit more about prayer and talk to you maybe about some things that I have questioned in my own um, understanding about what is prayer, why is it important. Um, if I'm really honest, this is probably an area of faith that I probably have a lot of questions about. I don't necessarily understand how prayer works very um, the way that I would love to. Um, uh, we have a new member of our church, by the way. Two weeks old right there, that little guy. So... He can cry all he wants. It's just fine. <laughs> Congratulations to you guys. But prayer is one of those things that we all know we're supposed to do it, right? But how many of us have a lot of questions about why and how it works and how much should we pray and why should we pray? And this is one area of faith that I have swung back and forth with a little bit in my own life. Um, this can be a part of our walk of faith where we really don't understand how it works and then we don't really understand the value of it. And I really believe that the more we understand why it's important that we pray, the more we will find ourselves motivated to want to pray. Now, when I was younger, I think I was, I looked at prayer more along the lines of that unshakable belief, like that childlike faith. I can ask God for anything. I can believe and God is going to do it. That total unshakable faith. But if I'm honest, it was also probably a fairly immature view of prayer because I think I looked at it as a little more of like, wishes and genie in a bottle. And if I pray this many times, or if I pray this way, or if I really mean it enough, then for sure God is going to do exactly what I want him to do, right? Has anybody had that kind of view of prayer? And then I lived a little while longer, and I encountered times that I really, really prayed, and I really believed, and I really spoke with authority about something. And then what I had been praying for didn't happen, or what I'd been praying against still happened. And so then I was like, well... Maybe this doesn't work. Have any of you? Maybe you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> yes, me. I totally have doubted Pastor Christie. Thanks, Colonel. He, he won't let me be alone in my, in my doubt. So I think that then I was like, well, okay, I'm confused. Like, I know I'm supposed to really believe and I'm supposed to pray. So then I probably swung the other way. And I decided that this was all about a life of surrender, right? That God was sovereign. God knows more than me. God is going to do whatever God is going to do. And so my posture should just simply be one of acceptance. And my posture should simply be one of, well, God, whatever you're going to do, whatever's going on, I just help me to just accept it. And I probably swung the other way that my, I stopped praying, Lord, change this. God, could you move in this situation? I probably was just like, well, God, do whatever is going to happen is going to happen and just help us all to deal with the fallout. Can anybody relate to that? So I kind of swung the other way. And yet I know I'm supposed to pray. And so I've been like, well, why then? 
if God is just going to do whatever God's going to do, if it, nothing changes, why, why does he even tell us to pray? And times I really haven't understood why and how I'm supposed to pray these things. Can anyone relate to that when it comes to prayer? Okay, so we're going to talk about this today. Now, I want to say this. We are in good company. So I've been reading about some of my heroes in the faith. And here are some of the things that they have said about prayer. Elizabeth Elliot is one of the most famous missionaries in the world. Her husband was killed by the very people who they went to serve. And she went back after they had murdered her husband and told this uh, tribe about the gospel. So she's one of my spiritual heroes. And this is what she said in a book I was reading of hers the other day. News came one day, which indicated that a matter I had been praying about had deteriorated rather than improved. What good are my prayers anyway? She asked. I was tempted to ask. Why bother? It seems like it's becoming a mere charade. But then the words of Jesus occurred in my Bible reading that very morning, which said, if you, bad as you are, know how to give your children what is good for them, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? So she struggled with that. And Amy Carmichael, another very famous missionary, she served the children of India for 55 years, from the late 1800s to 1951. And this was from her journal. She said, with all that says to me, what's the use of praying? What difference does it make if you pray or not? There is so much to do. Why set aside so much time just to pray? She asked that question too. I'm looking out at a whole sea of need. Why is it important that I set aside time to pray? And I share these questions. But let me tell you, the Lord has been stirring in me this call to pray. And it's growing and it's growing. And so I am determined to try and gain a better understanding about why prayer matters. And so I want us to lean into these questions so that we can gain a real understanding of why this is so important. I think the more we understand why, it will help us to engage in times of prayer and not take lightly this responsibility that God has given us to pray. So here are a few things I want to look at today regarding prayer. The first thing is this. Number one, Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. We see over and over and over in scripture that this was something that Jesus did all the time. Let me take you through a few verses that show us this. Matthew 14, 23. After sending them home, he, being Jesus, went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Mark 6, 46 says, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Luke 6, 12 says, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up onto the mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. Luke 6, 12, oh, I already said that one. Mark 1, 35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up, and he went out to an isolated place to pray. So we see that he went at night and stayed all night. Now we're seeing he got up early and went out and found a place to pray. And Luke 5, 15 through 16 says, but despite Jesus's instructions, the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So why is this important? If Jesus needed prayer to accomplish his work on earth while he was wearing our flesh. How much more do you and I need to pray in order to accomplish the work that we have to do on earth? Jesus prayed. 
Jesus prayed consistently. Jesus prayed repeatedly. Jesus prayed for long periods of time by himself when no one else could hear what he was saying. In the morning, at the end of the day, he talked to his father. He kept his heart in alignment with what God wanted him to do. He processed the things he was seeing on this earth and asked God to engage the powers of heaven here on earth. Jesus modeled for us the importance of setting aside time to pray in order to do the work of the kingdom. Jesus said, I've come to do my father's work. And he showed us that prayer was a key in order to do that work. Jesus knew that his prayers would set into motion things in heaven and earth. Listen to another quote by Elizabeth Elliot. She said, people sometimes say that the only reason for prayer is that we need to be changed. Certainly we do, but that is not the only reason to pray. Jesus did not need to be changed or made more holy by prayer. You think about that. Sometimes we say, well, the only reason to pray is so that God can change me. Well, Jesus didn't need to be changed. He was sinless. He was holy. And yet, He made it a regular, consistent part of his life here on earth. Jesus modeled prayer in his own life, and then he told us that we should also pray. Now, that's really, at the end of the day, all we really need to know, right? Because I said so, (laughs) because he told us to, so we should make this a priority. But I want to look at Matthew 6. This is what he says, and when you pray, he's talking to his disciples, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. Truly, I tell you, they already have their full reward. But when you pray, go into your inner room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not babble on like pagans, for they think that by their many words they will be heard. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus didn't say if you pray. He didn't say when it feels like maybe everything's falling around and you should, but he just was basically like, this is a part of everything that you're going to do. So when you do it, here's how to do it. It should be the most natural part of our lives. Jesus told his disciples to pray. He modeled it. He instructed them on it. He shared parable after parable to get them to understand the importance of it. And at the end of the day, we are followers of Christ. So whatever Jesus did, we do. And whatever Jesus told us to do, we do. So because Jesus had a consistent, robust prayer life, we should also have a consistent, robust prayer life. The second reason we should pray is this. There are things that only happen when we pray. There are things that only happen when we pray. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 9 because I want to dig into a story there where Jesus, we encounter this really interesting situation. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. Let's read it together. It says, when they returned to the other disciples, so Jesus and some disciples had been off, and they come back into a scene where the other disciples are with this crowd. So when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of the religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you so you could heal him. 
He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? I think Jesus got a little ticked off right there. Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But then Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Now, this is quite a story, right? There's a whole lot going on here. Can you picture the disciples who are trying to follow the example of Jesus? They're like, we've seen him do this. We've seen him do this before. We can do this, right? We love Jesus. And so there's a crowd gathering. There's religious leaders gathering. And so the disciples think, well, we can do this. We've got it. But they can't do it. They're trying, which is actually one of my worst fears in the world, right? <laughs> to be like, I'm going to pray for that. And then it's like, oop, nope, didn't work. They can't do it. The spirit won't come out. And so Jesus shows up and we see him frustrated. We see him frustrated with his disciples and with the people. He says, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Then once everything has transpired and Jesus has delivered this boy and ministered to this family, the disciples and Jesus are alone again in the house. And so the disciples, you, can you see the moment where they're like, <clears throat> all right, let's go ask him. They come over, Jesus. Well, that didn't go the way we planned. <laughs> so why couldn't we do that? What, what was missing there? We were eager. We had the right, like, we've seen you do it. We wanted to do the things that you have done, Jesus. Why couldn't we do that? We wanted to help. We wanted to offer the solution. Why did we lack the power? And Jesus says, this kind can only be cast out through prayer. Now, let me ask you something. Open your Bible again and look at this story. When did Jesus pray in this story? Before. We don't see him pray in that moment. We don't see him pray for the boy. We don't see him step aside and say, just give me a few minutes. I'm going to go over here and pray to the Lord and ask him to give me instructions. We don't see him pray anywhere in the story. When did Jesus pray? At daybreak up on the mountain. 
the night before when he had gone up and spent the night praying, when he had withdrawn into the wilderness for extended times of prayer, Jesus had a life of prayer. That's where his power came from. He had already set aside the time. He had already built into his life a consistent, robust life of prayer into his routine. And therefore, when he was ready, he was ready as soon as the need arose. Now, I, I have a day job. I work at North Central University. I support the president of the university. He is a brilliant, brilliant man named Scott Hagen. He is an incredible leader. He's one of the smartest people I know. He has a PhD in leadership. But every single morning, he comes into his office, and his phone is at 2% power. And it drives me crazy. How many of you don't start your day with your phone charged? You better admit it. Jeff Kerr, raise your hand. I know it's you. How many of you, how many of you like, like me, I plug it in before I go to bed. I plug in my computer. I plug in my phone. I make sure everything's ready to go so that I can start the day. And so my brilliant boss comes in every morning and he sits down and is like, all right, what have I got going on today? Can you just show me because my phone's dead? And I'll say, President Hagen, you are a brilliant man. You are not ready for this day. You have to plug your phone in at night before you come here. And he's like, I know, I know. I was just texting people, and then I fell asleep with it right here. And then I just forget. And him and his wife and I talk about, like, how it drives us crazy. Because I'm like, you have phone calls all day. You have so many things that you need to do. You're not ready. You are not ready for the day. And it's like, I know. So now I have around his office, like, he can sit over here, and there's a thing he lays it on. And one over here, and one over here. I have cords everywhere because his phone is never charged. And I was thinking about that idea of, I mean, I don't like my phone to get like less than 25%. Anybody than me that I start freaking out once it hits like halfway? I know my mom is that way. <laughs> There's something about being prepared. Like I know that I'm ready. I know that I'm ready no matter how many phone calls I have to take, even if it goes a long time, I know that I am ready to go. And I was thinking about that when we look at Jesus's life. It's like he just built in the recharging into his normal life. And so no matter what came his way, he was ready to go. And I just had this idea in my mind that you and I and a lot of other believers, we are walking around on 2% charge. And we are facing all kinds of stuff every single day. And we lack the wisdom, and we lack the power, and we can't do it, and we're eager, and we're like those disciples going to Jesus. We really wanted to help. Why didn't it work? And Jesus says, because you don't pray. You're not ready. You're not ready to face what you have because you haven't built into your life prayer. Now, Jesus had prayed. He was ready he was not only ready to cast out the demon, but if you look at that story, how much nuance was happening in that story? Who was in, there was a crowd of people watching. There were religious leaders who were there to try and trap Jesus. There was a hurting father. There was a suffering boy. There were disciples who he was trying to train and who were feeling the embarrassment and shame of the morning of the moment. And Jesus walked into this situation that was just filled with all kinds of nuance and how did was he able to walk into that and be able to discern the right thing to do in the right moment it's because he was ready for prayer and not only are you and I lacking the power I think in our lives we are lacking that discernment we are walking into our office spaces and they are 
overwhelmed with conflict and different opinions. And we're all like, I don't know what to do. And, but Jesus walked into that with confidence, with the discernment of the Holy Spirit. He knew exactly what to do. We have to be ready for whatever comes our way every single day. And we cannot walk into our day with 2% power. We're not ready for what we're going to face. Everything from being able to command the demons all the way down to respond to our culture and the circumstances of our moment. We're like those disciples who are trying to operate in power, and yet we haven't done the work in prayer to be ready for it. I am convinced that we are in days where you and I will only be able to accomplish the will of God through a consistent prayer life on our own. Just as Jesus has said, this kind only comes out through prayer. I think we are in a this kind season of our lives and we have to be ready to go. It already must be built into our lives We won't have the luxury of stepping away for a minute. Well, let me just pray about this for a few minutes. Let me just take some time and try and see if I can get an answer. We won't have that luxury. We have to be ready to go right then in the moment. We have already, need to have already been in prayer in order to do the work. So we know that Jesus prayed. We know that there are things that only happen when we're charged up and ready to go. And lastly, number three, prayer is the responsibility of the church. We've talked about the fact that certain things only happen when we pray. And I know that maybe we're not fully convinced of this, but you know who is? Satan. He is fully convinced. He knows the power of our prayers. Amy Carmichael said this, Satan is much more afraid of our prayer than our work. You might want to write that down. Satan is much more afraid of our prayer than our work. That's why he fights so hard when we are going to pray. This last Wednesday, I, we had our prayer night from 6 to 8 here at the church, and I was ready to go. I'd been re- thinking all day about, okay, I'm going to go. I'm so excited to go pray. And I had to stop at the dentist and have some dental work done at 5 o'clock. But I was going to be here by 6. And they were trying to, to do some things, and they were like, this just doesn't, this isn't working. And they had to, like, take these molds, like, three times. And they're like, we don't know what's going on. And I'm like, I know, I'm trying to get to pray. I just read this this morning that Satan is more afraid of our prayer than our work. And sure enough, when I left there, it was like 7.15. And I'm like, oh, I might as well just go home. And I was on my way home. And all of a sudden, I remembered this again. Oh, and I was like, no way. You are not stopping me. And so I come reeling in. And I'm like, I'm going to make this the best 20 minutes I've ever had to pray. You're not going to stop me. But I was amazed at how quickly I saw the fruit of that. Satan is more afraid of your prayer than your work. Why? Because your prayer matters. Your prayer changes things. Satan fights against us praying because he knows the power that prayer has. James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It has power to accomplish things. Our prayers are powerful and effective. And you and I, as followers of Christ, we bear a responsibility for the spiritual climate of our world. We bear a responsibility for the spiritual climate in our world. God, for whatever reason, has put us into this equation. I think he could have come up with a better plan, but you and I are a part of God's 
plan and his kingdom coming to this earth, us praying is in direct correlation to how the kingdom of God is spreading on the earth. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We are a kingdom of priests. The Old Testament, the priest's role was to intercede on behalf of the people at the mercy seat of God. You and I are a royal priesthood who are called to step in between darkness and light. And our world is in the dark, and we are supposed to step in and say, no more, step back. We are calling the kingdom of heaven down to earth. We are to stand here. That is our responsibility as the church. They're not going to pray for themselves. They don't even know. But we know, and that is our job. Jack Hayford said this, prayer in all regards takes a new frame of reference when we understand the war between God's kingdom and Satan's dark hordes. This battle, insofar as it involves earth, is one in which God has called us to engage, enlisting us as knee soldiers whose prayer call for the incoming of God's kingdom will welcome a barrage of God's power to break through the darkness and to bring deliverance to the people that we know. Prayer is our responsibility. I have been thinking about this a lot. We are all concerned with what's going on in our world. But if this is true, if we are a barrier to the kingdom of darkness on the earth, and our prayers are pushing back the darkness, then is it possible that the advancement of darkness in our world is a result in part due to the lack of prayer being done by the people of God? I have just felt this cry in my heart. If you want the darkness pushed back, push it back. This is our responsibility as the people of God. As I've been feeling this rumbling in my spirit, I wrote this in my journal one day. I'm afraid that our Christianity is selfish. We're self-focused, self-centered, and self-obsessed. The only things we pray about are ourselves. We pray about the things that we want to change because they're irritating or frustrating or impacting us. But we've lost the call to stand in the gap between the world and the advancement of darkness. We have forgotten our work as a kingdom of priests. And the more Satan can make us hate the world and be angry with the world for behaving like people in darkness, then he keeps us for praying from the world. And the darkness keeps advancing. I was thinking about this. We have a first Friday prayer and worship service, um, and we had one at the beginning of the month. And at the end, we kind of just had a time where everybody was praying, and Jeff asked if anybody kind of had anything that was on their heart. And one of our amazing prayer warriors from church, Debbie, got up and said, the Lord just has really put on my heart that Satan is using COVID to wreak havoc in our world. And so we stopped, and we just prayed. And I remember Jeff was sitting at the piano, and I remember him praying the scriptures and the power that we have been given against sickness and praying that God would push back the darkness and bring healing and wholeness. Now, this stopped me in my tracks for a number of different ways. First of all, I was very convicted of how little I have actually prayed about the pandemic. The enemy, I think, has done a really good job of getting us worked up about a whole lot of things where we're personally affected 
our own fears, our own frustrations, our own perspectives? And is it possible we've been so distracted by the politics, the sides, our own preferences, even our own fears, that we have missed the fact that around the world globally, as of this morning, 111 million people have been sick, and 2.4 million people have died this year. Could it be that if the church would rise up and begin to pray, that we could access the authority of Scripture that tells us we have over the power of sickness, that we could see this end if the church would say, you know what, our world is in upheaval. Not only is it the sickness, but it's everything that the sickness has brought with it. And if we just stopped and said, no, we're going to stand here. And we're going to say, we have the authority of Christ to declare that you have to stop in Jesus' name. If we would take on the responsibility that has been given to us, what would happen? What would change? Are we the breakdown? Being the church not only comes with privileges of being the sons and daughters of God, but with responsibility. It's our responsibility to pray, to push back darkness on the earth. And Satan will do anything to keep us from praying because he knows that our prayers will accomplish infinitely more than our work. My dad has said for years, something happens when I pray that doesn't happen if I don't. It's a lot of double negatives, dad. I don't know. But it's true. There are things that only happen when we pray. Jesus prayed. He had a lot of work to do. And yes, he was fully God, but he was fully flesh. And he went and sought the Lord daily, long periods of time, robustly. Now, I know a lot of you are like, ah, I don't know that I can go to a mountain all night to pray. I'm not sure my kids would be okay with that. But you know what? We all have time. I've been thinking about where could I find places? What if I just turned off the radio in my car for the next month? What, how much time am I in there? What if that was just time to pray? When my kids were little, it was when I was doing the dishes. I was always doing the dishes. So it was like, if I'm standing at the kitchen sink, I'm praying. What if it's, you know, the 30 minutes that you're scrolling your Instagram at night before bed? What if that changed? If we start adding up all those little moments, I think we could find the time. If it's important enough to us. If we understand the power that our prayer has, if we understand our responsibility, and if we understand our need to be ready when the moment calls for it, we could find the time. So as we close today, let's just bow our heads, and let's just take a few seconds. Let's let the Lord just speak to us for a minute. Jesus, we, first of all, just... We repent of our prayerlessness. Lord, I personally repent of my prayerlessness. God, I am really good at working for you. I want to do all the things. And yet I recognize that so often I have not been operating in the power that comes from spending time with you. I'm trying to do all the work at 2%. And Lord, in the moments where I haven't had the wisdom and I haven't had the power and I haven't had the understanding, I just, I've thrown up my hands and thought, well, I don't just know how this works. And yet the reality is 
I haven't spent the time I need to. Thank you for showing us the way, Jesus. Thank you for modeling a life of prayer. Thank you for showing us that you didn't just go out and do all the miracles, but every time you you were going to do that, you stepped away first and you spent time with the Father and you communed with him and you listened to him and you let him impart his wisdom to you and impart strength and impart power. And then when the moment called for it, Jesus, you were ready. God, I want to follow your example in that. And Jesus, we recognize, we also repent that as your church, Lord, we have allowed so many things to distract us. We have allowed so many things to capture our attention. We've allowed so many things to keep us from engaging in the place that we're supposed to be as a barrier between darkness and the world. And Lord, we pray that you would ignite a fire in us to push back the darkness. Lord, we even right now agree as a family of believers in the name of Jesus, push back the darkness. Lord, we speak against a spirit of sickness. We ask in Jesus' name that you would stop the spread of COVID in our world. We ask Jesus that you would stop all of the things that have happened because of this illness and this sickness, all of the things happening, corruption happening in worldwide governments, people living in fear, people giving up on life because they're so overwhelmed by the darkness. In Jesus' name, we draw a line and say, enough. We push you back in Jesus' name. You have had your way long enough and we put a stake in the ground as the people of God because you told us what we bind in heaven would be bound on earth and we push back in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that we would see the fruit of the church rising up in prayer, that we would see change, that we would see people coming to faith, that we would see people healed in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask that you would put in all of us a sense of duty and responsibility to pray like we've never prayed before. Lord, we want to serve you well as your people. We're grateful for all the privileges that come with being your bride, but Jesus, we take on the responsibility as well. So help us, Jesus, to do it well. Help us to not give up. Help us to not get distracted. We thank you, Lord, that we have the power and authority through your name. Jesus, I thank you for every person here, Lord. I just pray a special blessing on them. Lord, I pray whatever is heavy on their heart, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would begin to ignite a desire to seek you. Lord, I pray they would see the change coming as your spirit, by your power, as we pray, accomplishes more than we could ever do with our words or our actions. As we engage with the spirit of the living God, I pray that strongholds over families would be broken in Jesus' name. I pray that addiction would be broken over lives in Jesus' name. And I don't care if it's been seven generations of addiction. In Jesus' name, there is the power to break those strongholds. Lord, we speak against anxiety and depression in Jesus' name. 
we tell them they have to go. This no more in Jesus' name. We pray over our kids. Lord, we declare that they will have a heart to love you and serve you in Jesus' name. Lord, we push back the darkness. And we will continue to pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.